it, because it's not all bad. Everything I've said has not been critical of Noseman Paul, but somebody's got to be a dissenting voice. Somebody has to be a little more objective. That's going to be me. All right. Hey, I think the commentary feels a little more relaxed. It's not quite as uptight as it was under Vince. They're a little more relaxed. The language, the uh, presentation of the commentators, it's a little better. It's nothing significant. It's probably not going to stop someone from watching the show um, if they're already watching. It's probably not going to cause someone to watch the show if they already were not watching. But the presentation, if you're watching it, is a little more relaxed. More focus on the importance of championships. Now, what are championships in pro wrestling? They're props. The matches are fake. But based on the stories you tell, they are given importance in the context of the TV show, of the live event. And that's the key here. So making the championships feel more important, and in particular, the Intercontinental and United States championships, that's a good thing. Talking about the great history, some of the all-time greats in this business who've held both of those championships, letting those championship matches Main event TV shows. Absolutely. I'm on board with that. I believe there should be a more strong focus on championships. Karrion Cross and Scarlett returning to WWE. This was a no-brainer to me. Uh, I thought this was a good decision. We can certainly talk about the other signings, but this one in particular made sense. Karrion Cross is a veteran. He knows what he's doing. He's got a very good understanding of the business, his presentation, his brand, what he's doing. He's believable. Uh, and Scarlet is such an important part of his presentation. It works really well. And to Noseman's credit, uh, it's been done really well so far on TV. It's still early. Uh, but I am a fan of Karrion Cross. I believe he is a main event level superstar. And that is essentially how he is starting out so far. So kudos and good job there. Hey, there's no more 24-7 championship nonsense. No more of these wacky 24-7 segments. And sometimes they're entertaining. I mean, in particular, R-Truth, he's a very funny, entertaining guy. He does his job so well, he can do anything. But truth be told, these segments were typically awful. They wore out their welcome in a significant way. They became nothing but time filler uh, with no real effort from the writing team or Vince. And so they were just not good. And the 24-7 championship, I mean, that itself was stupid. It was changing hands 20 times a night. It's just awful. And again, that really does devalue a championship. I don't think that necessarily uh, helps your, your product in any way. 
So glad to see that gone. Uh, the goodwill of hardcore fans and maybe also the curiosity of how this leadership change will play out, which has all led to a tiny viewership increase on WWE. I think they're up 2% uh, this year at the same time from last year. I call this the honeymoon phase. Uh, this is kind of the feeling out process and giving uh, Paul a chance to see where this goes. The hardcore fans like his direction. And so there has been a slight uptick in viewership. And I think that's what we're seeing. I don't think people who typically don't watch are suddenly watching because of the creative product he has. And now let's talk about the bad. Talked about the good. We also have to talk about the bad. What have we seen? Well, we've seen a focus on vanilla midget indie flippers. Little Johnny Wrestling, for example. And talents who, frankly, don't look like superstars. Kevin Owens, for example. Instead of talent who actually do look like superstars. Take Austin Theory, for example. Just doesn't make sense. You're not going to gain any new viewers who aren't currently watching, who don't watch pro wrestling, who don't watch WWE, or haven't watched in a long time. Because you got a Kevin Owens match, or you got little Johnny in the ring talking about changing diapers and promoting little Johnny's first uh, fake match back on Raw. I mean, this does not make sense. There's no money written on someone like Johnny Gargano or his wife. It makes absolutely no sense. And it simply comes off as, you know, hiring back your buddies. By the way, the presentation of Austin Theory has been just completely embarrassing and baffling. Here's a guy who looks and talks like money. You're building him up. You have the leadership change. Clearly, something has changed. Something has happened because Austin Theory is being presented extremely poorly on WWE Raw. And uh, it's just, it's something that is the antithesis of wanting to make money. What they're doing with Austin Theory. I just don't understand it. There's been an overemphasis on women's wrestling. Which, if I'm being honest, is often the popcorn and piss break match on WWE TV and premium live events. That's just the reality. Women's wrestling is best presented as a special attraction. You look at the Sables and the Chinas. You look at the Litas. You can go back even further. Point being... Shoving women's wrestling down our throats when Evolution, you did the pay-per-view, you did it in New York, it didn't draw, which is why you didn't do another one. But yet you continue to push this agenda with Becky Lynch as the man and main eventing WrestleMania and et cetera and so on and so forth. It's nauseating, it's phony, and nobody of any significant number of people really likes it. 
a focus on long back and forth matches. I mean, it seems like the average match on Raw or SmackDown is 15 minutes these days. That should be a premium live event match. These TV matches should be seven to 10 minutes. It's a TV show, a a fake match heavy TV show is only going to draw in the marks. That's just a reality. And you're going to get a lot of matches at these premium live events anyway. And that's where you can really highlight longer matches. You can tell stories in the ring. This is where feuds should be climaxing. That makes more sense. Just having these 50-50 indie style back and forth matches with the flips and twists and kick out a two and a half and throwing the kitchen sink at them on the first match on the card and et cetera, et cetera, just doesn't work on any main event stage. There's been a less focus on compelling stories and larger than life characters already. Take, for example, the Maximum Male Models and Max Dupree. They quickly wrote him into a storyline so that he could leave the group and once again return to be L.A. Knight, who he was in NXT and who a significant portion of the main roster may not even, you know, that viewing audience may not even be aware of that. Uh, and Max Dupree, got to make sure I pronounce that right, was one of the best things going on SmackDown, him and the Maximum Male Models. It was different. It was very character-driven. And again, as long as you can transition it to the ring, it works. I thought, Max Dupree, L.A. Knight, whatever you want to call him. I thought he did a good job with it. He did. And they should have stuck with this. But... Paul is an NWA mark, and he doesn't like the the real character-based stuff. He likes the wrestlers and having good wrestling matches, and it shows. He quickly scrapped this, and it doesn't make sense. Wrestling needs compelling stories and larger-than-life characters. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of men in their underwear having fake fights on TV. Signing too many superstars. This one is completely baffling. Completely baffling. This does not work. Every week it's it's relying upon the TV show, it seems like, to get a pop because somebody's returning. Now we're getting so desperate. We, we got Gallows and Anderson returning. Are you kidding me? The guys who buried WWE on their way out, who aren't a draw in any way, how much are those guys making? I mean, Nick Khan, after trimming the fat on the WWE roster, which was already too big, he's got to be shaking his head because now Noseman Paul is going to put him right back in that position, signing all of these superstars who left the company while Vince was in charge. There's just too much catering to the hardcore audience. That's the audience they already have. They're watching every week, good, bad, and different. 
They're trying to grow their audience. And you're not going to do that by catering to the people in the wrestling bubble that normal people cannot relate to. Stop booking for the marks. It's that simple. All right, look, that's the good. That's the bad. Here's my final analysis. Paul is quickly bloating the roster with talent who will never be stars and pushing the wrong people on TV. His shows are way too match heavy. While hardcore fans are a little more interested in WWE with Paul in charge and Vince out, this product will not play well with casual fans who really don't care about that or long matches or work rate. Paul is copying and pasting the Tony Khan Mark model for pro wrestling. And in the next couple of years, it could start to spell disaster if he doesn't correct course. With that being said, I have to give Noseman Paul his letter grade. This is his objective performance review, and I have to objectively give him a D. D is in dumb. Well, let's talk about the return of Bray Wyatt at Extreme Rules. This garnered a lot of attention amongst the wrestling audience. It started out with White Rabbit being played at live events. Uh, there was teases and QR codes along the way, and ultimately... Bray Wyatt was signaling his return to the WWE. We saw it at Extreme Rules. And what did we see? Because this got a lot of praise. Well, we saw a bunch of the Funhouse characters, right? The people from the Funhouse, from his vignettes, from his previous run as The Fiend, come to life. These were people dressed as, you know, the Buzzard, for example. A buzzard mask. So, so we see that, and of course the lights are out, and they're you know they're doing the whole production deal, and it was executed well. It was well done. They show Bray takes off his mask to reveal it's him. He blows out the lantern, etc. There wasn't a ton to it. It ju- it needed to be simple like that, so that's totally fine. But you know, I kind of in a way because this was something different and something executed well. It was kind of this, uh, I guess, this overhype of it. Like, it's a cinematic masterpiece, like a movie. I I heard some pretty serious, uh, I guess, praise of this that was just next-level stupid. I, guys, this was well done, but it was not a cinematic masterpiece. They flipped a few light switches. They put a few people in costumes. This wasn't a movie, for God's sakes. Let's calm down. I get people are excited to have Bray Wyatt back. Many people believe he's got a creative mind. Um, But look, here's the issue. The problem with Bray going into a similar direction as his last run with the comedy puppets and the Fiend presentation it just doesn't work when it transitions to the ring. They blew it miserably last time. They did. It was awful. His matches are boring. 
his matches are not very good either. So when you transition to the ring, that's another reason it's not working. But ultimately, I remember a couple of things about his run as the Fiend. And there were some good moments, but I remember his Hell in a Cell match with Seth Rollins and how he just completely no-sold every big move in Seth Rollins' playbook. And it totally made the business look stupid. And I remember him near the end. He's the champion, and he gets squashed by Goldberg in Saudi Arabia. And that was the end of that experiment. What has changed now? Are you really going to have me believe that nose man in charge is going to make the difference with Bray Wyatt this time? I don't believe that. I'll have to see it to believe that. Because the issue is when he transitions to the ring, it's not working. And, and this is a very spooky, horror, sort of sci-fi gimmick. And those can be good, but ultimately, all of the theatrics, the TV, the segments, it's all leading to wrestling matches. So the characters have to be able to transition and do the wrestling matches in a way that makes sense in a way that's believable that's ultimately sometimes the issue with gimmicks like this in pro wrestling certainly you take a gimmick like the undertaker and he was able to make it work it can be done although you could certainly debate if that is more difficult in this day and age if he were just starting out versus decades ago i get that it's going to be tough. Can WWE make it work? They're going to have to prove it to me because as far as I'm concerned, Bray Wyatt is best served as leaving the Fiend character behind and becoming an evolved version of the Louisiana Swamp cult leader. That's the Bray I'm interested in. Not the one wearing a Fiend mask. Not the one operating like the Fiend. Not the I, I don't care how you present it. I don't want the fiend bullshit. I'm over it, and I get it. It's going to sell masks. It's going to sell merchandise. He's going to do very well in that regard, and so is WWE. But the best character is the Swamp Cult leader, hands down. And that also has the longevity, as far as I'm concerned, as well. Hope I'm wrong, but hey, got to be honest here. You know how I do. All right, and it's time for the mailbag. Always one of my favorite segments each and every week, answering your questions. This uh, first question is actually not a question. Uh, the person behind the burner accounts is Ray Hernandez from HMG, I mean Media Group. Well, I certainly would not be surprised to hear that. I occasionally get information about HMG in my DMs. Um, it would be a shame if that were the case. Uh, it certainly would be, but um, hey, maybe he's got a lot of free time now that he's not the mask police in New York City. I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, I don't honestly pay a lot of attention to these, you know, these burner troll accounts who are, you know, just totally, totally ridiculous. I, I, I mean, these tweets are 
you really do feel bad for these people. They're just so absurd. They're so ridiculous. They have to have no life. They can't be happy people. And ultimately, if you haven't figured out by now, I just really don't care what they think. Should WWE do a match with Mac Jones for Survivor Series? Of course, Mac Jones, the injured New England Patriots quarterback, they should absolutely not do a match with Mac at Survivor Series. I need Mac to be healthy. I need him to return and stay healthy for the Patriots. That means no match for Mac Jones. Hey, Mac Jones wants to appear at a WWE event because he likes it. Good for him. But I need him to be healthy. If Jackson Riker came back to WWE and squashed Seth Rollins for the U.S. title, would he become famous? No. No, he's not going to become famous by wrestling a fake match on WWE TV or a premium live event and winning a prop title. Now, if he's presented as a character that fans can emotionally invest in, and part of that story is winning the championship, absolutely, that could help evolve him into a bigger star. Famous? I don't know about that. There's just not a lot of people that love wrestling today. It's just the reality. It's more and more niche. Um, at the same time, they've built a lot of connections outside of the, the WWE from a business perspective, which is great. But that uh, that interest is just not there like it used to be. So now I don't think he's going to become famous. We're not going to see any Jackson Riker T-shirts in WWE. And frankly, I don't think Noseman Paul is ever going to re-sign him anyway. Have you ever done bare-knuckle boxing? And if you haven't, would you want to? Would I want to? No, probably not. Uh, at this point in my life, I'm 44 years old. I'm not as good as I once was, but once I can be as good as I was. Uh, you know, with that being said, look, I've uh, done different fighting and martial arts. I was a brown belt in Weichiru Karate. I was also a karate instructor. You know, I just had different self-defense training in the military and law enforcement. Yeah, I've been in plenty of fights. Uh, so would I have done this 15 or 20 years ago? Yeah, it's possible. I was in a lot of fights then, uh, but, you know, nah, now, no, no. Should WWE do a match between Mustafa Ali versus Donald Trump? Ooh, let's do it. Let's get to WrestleMania, Ali versus Trump. And uh, if Ali loses, Trump gets to deport him back to where he came from. Uh, with all the other Muslims. And if uh, Mustafa Ali wins, Donald Trump goes to prison. That makes all the libtards crazy happy. Look, I can definitely write this one to be interesting. You could definitely write this to be controversial. And I'm sure I just pissed off a lot of people saying what I did. But I don't care. Uh, we could make it funny. We could make it fun. Should they do the match? Of course not. But uh, what the hell? Hi, Bradford. Hope all is well in your neck of the woods. Did you ever watch Bob Ross as a youngin? The Pluto app has a Bob Ross channel I get down on. I know I missed National Scissoring Day. Yo, listen, 
scissor me bratty ass. Oh, boy. Yeah, we're not going to trend that one on Twitter. Do not hashtag scissor me bratty ass. Actually, in fact, forget that I ever said that. Jesus. Uh, Bob Ross, yeah, definitely a little familiar with that. Um, But uh, National Scissoring Day, major cringe. Uh, I'll leave the uh, scissoring to the people who uh, apparently don't have penises, like uh, Max Caster and his tag team partner, who uh, is so sensitive because he has a vagina, apparently, um, that he blocked me on Twitter. So there you go. Hallelujah, that bullshit vanilla ice cream reign of Liv is over with the finish of her passing out smiling shit, by the way. There's rumors that it could lead to a change of character, maybe something darker. Let's say that is true. Wouldn't that be an acknowledgement from Noseman and Creative that what she did this summer and fall was complete and utter horseshit? Because she actually was a dumpster fire instead of good like they behind the scenes thought. Because we certainly didn't. No, we didn't. We didn't think she was good at all. We knew it was a dumpster fire. We knew it was horseshit. We knew it sucked. She is the worst modern women's wrestling champion in WWE history. She's awful. Just not a good pro wrestler. And it's embarrassing they had her passing out smiling. And it's embarrassing she beat Ronda twice. It's embarrassing she beat Shayna. It's embarrassing she beat up Lacey Evans. It's all embarrassing. So I don't care what she returns as. She's not very good. And I will not be invested in it. All right, everyone. That's the show. Thanks for listening. I'll be back with a new episode next week. And you won't want to miss it.